Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UConn Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew, and today I'm joined by the head coach of the UConn women's hockey team, Chris McKenzie. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Coach Mack, and how's everything going? Uh, it's going great. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Well, obviously, the women's hockey season just ended on Sunday with Wisconsin winning the national championship. I was just wondering if you watch any of those games after your team is season's over, and what was your thoughts on Wisconsin winning it all? I watched the Frozen Four, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Wisconsin's a, the type of team that's pretty much, if you look back the last 20 years, almost 15 years, they're in the Frozen Four almost every year, so... It's no surprise they were there, and if you're there enough times, eventually it's going to go your way. And I think if you look back, I think Ohio State was probably heavily favored, but Wisconsin found a way. And I've been on the good end and bad end of games like that, and uh, you know, they they won in fair and square. They won the game, and they're national champions. Yeah, Mark Johnson, seven-time national champion. That's pretty crazy. I feel like you got to put him up with one of the best coaches of all time. Oh, he's, yeah, he's done well, and it's been a good run. And, uh, you know, they, they have a certain formula that they, they look for, and they work hard and recruit players and do all the things they need to do. So it's uh, that would be, you know, going up against them can be tough sometimes. Now let's talk a little bit about your season from this past year. And unfortunately, it did not end the way you guys wanted to, losing to Boston College in overtime in the hockey's quarterfinals. Uh, how have you reflected on that game, and what were your overall thoughts on your team's performance this past season? I was really happy with this season. I wasn't sure what to expect. We just really lost a lot from the year before, and I think we we did a nice job of of uh, you know taking care of the things we can control. You know, we're a very disciplined team, uh, very good at penalty killing, uh, and you know, I think the one thing. We were concerned about scoring and providing offense was kind of maybe our number one issue. I'd say we want to obviously get more scoring. Um, you know, we also in the second half, some injuries caught up to us, but we also, I think part of our youth and experience showed up at times. We had multiple leads with like 10 minutes or less left in the game and we'd end up tying those games or losing them. So uh, the Boston college game, was no different. We were winning the game with literally three minutes left in the game, just couldn't get it done. And overtime, I think if the longer the overtime would have went with BC, I think I would have felt better because we were playing maybe three lines and four or five D at that point. And they were, they were going to go with two lines and probably four D. So I think the longer it would have went, the better, but it went what three minutes, I think. So, you know, it, that's how it goes. And I think, um, it's unfortunate, but I think we're going to learn a lot from that and get better. I'm really excited, you know, at least the next few years, just with who we have coming in. Obviously, Toscano Family Ice Forums, an awesome thing. We're going to really start seeing the benefits of that recruiting-wise shortly here. And uh, I just, yeah, I, I, the future is bright, and I'm really excited. And it's always been a great place to coach and be, and, and UConn's awesome. And this time of year in March with basketball, it's an yeah. exciting place, right? So. You know, I think they want the best for hockey, and they've certainly shown support, and it's up to myself and Coach Kavanaugh to keep trying to elevate the program. Yeah, the big question with your team, obviously, for this past year was how are you going to fill in those roles from those seniors that left the, in the previous year? 
Um, so I'm curious, how do you think those players did filling in those roles? Because I thought, at least for the forward group, like you mentioned, that was sort of my biggest concern. But you saw players like Riley Grimley and Brooke Campbell really step up and really young players that didn't get a lot of playing time. Obviously, Riley didn't get a lot of playing time her freshman year. And then Brooke was a freshman, really did a good job step up to step up and fill in those roles. Um, how do you think that the team did filling in those roles, especially on the forward side of things? I think, I think they, I think they did really well. I think they, they, um, you know, Riley is basically a freshman, you know, yeah. and, and, and she did get to practice with us all last year. And she didn't play much, you know, and I think Brianna Ware would be in that mix too. So it was really just a really young team up front, uh, young team in general. Uh, but I would say like with our goaltending, being very sound. I think our defense was older, more experienced. We knew we'd hang in, to, in most games. And now the offensive piece is just what we're looking for next. So I, we're really uh, excited about who's returning, what could be. They have a lot of work to do. I think we all have a lot of work to do. But, uh, you know, I think, I think the team sees there's an opportunity here to really do some great things. So I think they want to they wanna take advantage of that. Now, the big thing that happened with your team this year was the opening of the new rink. Uh, what was it like? What's it been like practicing there for the past three months and also playing games? And uh, what do you think the impact is gonna? What do you think the impact's gonna be uh, with the new rink um, in the near future for the program? Well, yeah, it was very exciting. Uh, I think if you ask the team, myself and our coaching staff, we're excited to be here every day. Really appreciative of what's what's been handed to us, and and uh, I, I find myself thinking about the past players that have been here, and really, they've really helped us get to this point by representing the team the right way over the years and uh, representing our university the right way. I, I really look at, uh, you know, the opening weekend was really fun, really great. We played well, so made it even better. Um, but the, yeah, the last three months, the teams just, uh, I think if you ask them, I'd say they just love coming here every day. It's a place you can hang out, a place you can reach your full potential. And I think any player wants that. And it's beautiful. You know, and it's still new and they're still doing construction outside. You might hear something here shortly, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it, there's something new every day. They're doing something different on the walls or something. So they're still completing it. So it's still really new. Um, but what could it what does it mean for your future? I think it just it, it, it sets it sets an expectation of, hey, we've got, you know, it's obvious every program needs an investment at some point. You know, um, I can remember like we just talked about Wisconsin. They needed a new rink and they got one maybe, I think it was 10 years ago. You know, so this is us with our new rink, you know, so hopefully sooner than later, we'll see dividends from this. That, You know, there's a couple of recruits here and there that we might not have had a chance at. Now we're getting, them, you know, and that kind of thing. It'll slowly turn, you know, would, would I like it to be overnight? Yes, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So it's just going to take time. I love who we have coming in the next few years and go from there. Yeah, I remember listening to Coach Kavanaugh. He said the biggest thing he noticed was players are just staying at the facility longer. And he thinks that yeah. he thinks that helps with team chemistry and just uh, getting better at your game. Yeah, no, it it definitely does. Like it's it's a, it's a place where you show up here and everything, all your hockey needs are taken care of. Yeah, that, that wasn't the case before, so it's really good to have that. What's freight is going to be like next year? Is it going to just be like a random building on campus? Well, the rumor is. Um, and it'll be out there. I, I think it's going to turn into a volleyball facility. Oh, cool. It'll be a practice and game facility for our volleyball program. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that would be good to have their own facility with that, yeah. too. Yeah. 
Now, what were some positive things you took away from this year? It says it seems like you really were happy with your goal t- goaltending tandem, your defense, and how some of those young players took a step forward this year. If I'm correct on that assessment, yeah, I think it's just it, I thought we did really well. I thought you know the team. How does the team represent our school and our program? They they did a great job of that. We, we crushed it in the classroom. I don't want to take that ever for granted, but a 3.6 GPA helps. You know, we have a lot of students that. We have a lot of student athletes and the student part, they do a great job of that. So now coaches like us get to focus on the hockey piece, which is great. So that's number one. We're not working against ourselves, right? So I think the team did a great job of, of just getting better every day. Um, really, in some ways, I think a lot of people saw us as overachieving this year. I think we did a great job of playing with teams that were ahead of us in the standings. We did a great job playing the underdog I think with teams that were quote under us in the standings we felt a different type of pressure that we weren't used to like we were we were maybe seeing ourselves as the favorite so maybe that's incumbent on me to try to get our mindset getting for opponents that we may see ourselves lower on the standings getting them ready in a certain way but you know it's it's I guess that's a mindset it's something we've got to focus on and really just worry about what we can do and what are some things you want your team to improve on for next year? Like, what was the message, I guess, to your team heading into the offseason on what you want them to improve on? I just, I, I think for our younger players, it's really just physical conditioning, being able to be ready to play more minutes, a bigger role, that kind of thing. Um, definitely shooting the puck, which leads to more confidence, which leads to more scoring. Um, special teams, uh, our power plays just hopefully can take a step and get better there. And uh, really just as soon as our newer players are here, getting them acclimated and getting them going right away. So we've found a few ways to do that. And uh, we're going to try to obviously execute at a high level with all of that. Well, obviously, speaking of moving forward, let's talk about the upcoming season for a little bit. Now, obviously, we're still a long way ahead. But is there anything you can tell us about next year's team and what players are joining the team, if you're allowed to talk about them? And just uh, some of the new, I guess, a little bit about next season and what we can expect. I think the number one thing you'll see next year's class, okay, I think we've got approximately six coming in. And I want to say five of the six are five foot nine or taller. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I hear heights going up by a big average there. Um, some physical players, some good height. Um, one Team Canada player, Maya Serdakny, we've never had one of them before. We're kind of excited for her to come. Um, and, and just some really just some, some really good people from great families. I, I think that's just so important, you know, and, and everyone's looking at results and championships and rings. There's only one team that's happy right now. It's Wisconsin. Everybody else is not. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's that happens every year. So if you're not going to be the team that wins it all, are you going to have good people in your program that represent the right way? Like, are we going to put a team that's worthy of the Toscano Family Ice Forum out there? And I think this is a group that's going to help us in that same direction that we've been going for. So we really look for good people, good people that are easy to work with and want to get better and, you feel like if our culture's in place, the championships can start coming. I'm assuming Maya's. Yeah. I'm assuming Maya's related to Danielle Serdakny, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And obviously, one thing I want to ask you is the transfer portal is such a huge part of college hockey. Um, what's the transfer portal like for a women's college hockey? Because I know you've gotten a lot of grad transfers in the past, and is that something you're going to utilize for this year? We're definitely looking at it. 
Uh, it's definitely there. Um, you know, in all reality, though, with women's ice hockey, it's always been a transfer portal situation because players could always transfer at any time. Or in men's hockey, they had to sit out a year, you know, until now. Uh, but players just ultimately, we we were always living in this. Now it's mm-hmm. just on the internet; you can just look at who's leaving. <laughs> yeah. So now it's just easier for people to look up. But no, it was if people players were always leaving this and that. We've had very few players leave our program. Uh, if they've left, for example, some of them have left and gone to Canadian universities, maybe closer back to home and that kind of thing. Um, but we haven't, I don't, I think we've had one in 10 years transferred to another U.S. college. Oh, wow. That's a good. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we've done a good job of finding people that really want to be at UConn and, and just really, uh, you know, we don't, I, I guess we plan it out and try to really vet our, our players that are coming in and they get to know us and they feel really comfortable with what's happening. Now, do you have any non-conference games that you can share for next season? And how do you schedule non-conference games? And do you think the new rink's going to help bring some top teams like Colgate or Cornell uh, come to UConn? Well, we're certainly trying, my friend. Um, we still need two home games for next year. I'll, I'll fill them at some point. But we all, we will, we'll be in the nutmeg again. That's Thanksgiving. That's going to be, at this point, I know it's Yale, Sacred Heart, Quinnipiac. So the four Connecticut teams. And then uh, we have a road trip to Penn State. That'll be a good one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we've played Brown pretty much every year. We're going to continue to do that. Well, there's only seven non-conference games. So the other two, we, we have to find two home games and then uh, go from there. So I, 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 I put in one, like it's one weekend in particular. So I've just, I maybe, I might have a hard time feeling it, but I, I'll find somebody at some point. How do you schedule those? Is it like just connection just with coaches? coaches. Yeah, yeah. Reach out to the coaches. Like I've been texting with a few of them here and see if they have any openings. Really trying to make it work. So That's awesome. Yeah. Well, one one thing I do want to ask you is the landscape in Hockey East, for at least the women's side, seems like it's going to be a little bit different next season because there's going to be a lot of turnover for teams like Northeastern, Vermont, and Boston College. I'm curious where you think UConn fits in the Hockey East landscape for next year, and do you think you can be one of the top teams? Yes. Yeah, we can yeah. be, and I think that I think the team sees it too. Northeastern will still be really good, probably be picked at the top, um, just based on what they've done. And even though they've lost a lot, they still have a lot of great players and a lot of kids that have been part of championship teams. So I think they'd be picked one. Providence loses a little bit, but they'll be reloading too. Uh, Boston College is going to lose players. Um, you know, I, I'd say like BU is going to have a new coach. There's going to be some form of a honeymoon stage there for sure. That could really jumpstart them. UNH is returning a ton of talent. Where do we fit? I think we're, I think we'd be disappointed if we're not in the top four, at least top three, maybe, and competing for a championship like right there. So I, I think that's, we're disappointed with this year. I think the result, but at the same time, I think there was a lot to be happy with. Like this year, we got to try to take it to another step. So. We're focused on the championship is really it. Yeah. I, think, I don't think we're out of our – No one, everyone sees it on the team. They, they get it. Yeah. They've got to put the work in, and I think that's the expectation. And talk about what it's like coaching in Hockey East and the competition you face every weekend, because I think it's a great conference. But I know it's been – Hockey East has been trying to get two teams to the tournament consistent, consistently every year, and I know that's something they've been trying to work on. I think what we're focused on here is just beefing up our out-of-conference schedule. When you only have mm-hmm. seven games, you have to make them really count and try to beef it up a little bit. Uh, what's happened 
know, adding another team. Um, you know, I, I think it was Coach Cavanaugh that told me, like, if you have around 10 to 12 non-conference teams, that mathematically gives you best opportunity to kind of move move up and, and give you a good body of work. So seven really limits what's happening. Um, and what happens in the WCHA is Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Ohio State, their strength of schedule just – they just beat, beat each other up, but they also keep each other up. That's what happens. So I think with our league, it's – not as easy to do that. So it's been one team for a while. Um, I, I would anticipate, I think I'm hoping for two next year. I think that's, I think the league wants that. We'd love to be one of them. Now let's transition and talk about your coaching background for a little bit. So you're from Canada. How did you start playing hockey? I just grew up in Niagara Falls. I think just come from a hockey family of three uncles that played hockey and played college hockey for that matter, which was different back then but um yeah just kind of grew up in Niagara Falls playing like any Canadian kid and got lucky enough to get recruited to Niagara University coming out of junior hockey who was your favorite player growing up oh I had a couple uh which New Jersey was my favorite team my uncle worked for them and so I just Ken Danico was the defenseman he's a legend there and I think um Brian Rafalski was a player that played for the New Jersey Devils years ago he came out of Finland and it's it's funny he uh he did, he was he was just a kind of a smaller, quicker defenseman. That's kind of where I that's where I was fitting in those days. Yeah. No, I, the only thing I know about Ken Danico is he has the funny Lou Lamarillo story about the orchestra and trying to fit in with that, which I always find funny to listen to. Yeah. No. He. Um, I've met Lou numerous times. My uncle's been with him forever, and uh, you know it's uh, yeah. No, I, I definitely like. I heard that story too. I could definitely hear Lou Lamarillo saying it, which so it, it has to be true. The guy, how do you make that up too? Yeah. So, and like you mentioned, you played college hockey at Niagara. I talk a little bit about your college hockey experience as a player, and do you think it's helped you as a coach today? Um, yeah, I mean, well, it was a great experience. It was we started a program, so it was twenty eight freshmen, and then on by my senior year, four years later, we were one game away from the Frozen Four was quite a from nothing to like literally lost to North Dakota who ended up winning it all that year the elite eight that was a like that was quite a run for us um how did it help me I, I think I saw the evolution of a hockey program from just literally just starting first day and moving right to almost to the top of what it could be you know and I, I think there's a very fine line between absolutely being the worst team in the league to literally one of the best. And I think just obviously for me, it just starts with the people and who you're inter interacting with and how hard they want to work and can they come together and be unselfish and there's all sorts of things. So, um, you know, it, did it help me? Yeah. I think I lean on a lot of that experience. Um, and you know, that's everything we've done coaching, everything. It's just, you kind of lean on that a little bit. And you have to be open to new ideas, too. I think that that's something that I've learned just over the years. You're also a four-year captain, which is something you've never seen. I remember you telling Jim Penders in that Coach's oh, yeah. Coffee thing that it was pretty much because the program started and they voted you captain as a freshman. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it was quite an honor. It's, it's an honor to be voted by your team. I think it gives you some confidence there. Uh, definitely not easy. You know, yeah. I think it's – if anyone that's in a leadership position, I think, would would recognize that it's not – if you're a senior captain and there's freshmen there, it's not that hard to kind of help guide them, but it, it, it's more of the peers, you know, and if you have 28 freshmen and you're a captain and, and you're all freshmen, it's, it's quite difficult when they're all your peers, 
you know, and it's not, not you're telling people what to do, but it's more of just, you know, you, you want to, there's an accountability factor there. And, and I think, um, you know, it just, it, it, yeah, I learned a lot from that. It was very, it was actually quite difficult. Um, but I think, it, I think we're all better for it. You know, and anyone who's been, I think anyone who sees all oh, the captains should do this, the captain should do that. Anyone who says that probably hasn't been a captain. Before. Yeah. A little bit. It's easier to say that than it is to just actually do it. What made you want to become a coach? And obviously, it says on Elite Prospects, you got your start at UMass Lowell, so I'm just going to say that's where you started. So um, what made you want to be a coach, and how did you get the opportunity with Lowell? I think just just after graduating high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was playing hockey and loved it. And I just, uh, when I met Blaze McDonald, who ended up recruiting me to Niagara and giving me my first job at UMass Lowell, I was like, wow, what a neat, what a neat job this would be. And I kind of, during my time in Niagara, I was, he knew I wanted to get into coaching. Um, I knew I'd try it at some point if I could, and he gave me the opportunity. So I kind of jumped at it. Um, so it beats a real job. I don't think I've really worked since, you know, I started in 2001. So it's kind of been a good run. I'm on a good run here. <laughs> We're going to keep it going. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it's, um, yeah, I just, it beats, I just couldn't, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else, to be quite honest with you. I don't, I don't sales, business, just, I don't, it doesn't get me excited to, you know, I get, I get to go to the rink every day, you know, that's, I'm blessed to do that. I don't take it for granted. And I really just uh, enjoy what I do. And I think the team would, would see that I, I, that's the case if you ask them. Yeah, I remember Coach Handerhand saying like he wants his players to stay pro as long as possible because you gotta delay the real world as long as possible because yeah. hockey is not is way more fun than the real world. Yeah, we've I've been delaying this. <laughs> I'll be I'll be fifty in a few years. I'm delaying it. Let's just say that, Matt. Yeah. Now you then transitioned to the women's side and became an assistant coach with Ohio State. I've, I have a couple questions about that. One is there any difference between coaching men's college hockey players versus women's college hockey players, or is it pretty much the same? No, yeah, it is a little different. I think, um, you know, I think, uh, I think men, you know, you can kind of just give them direction. You can be a little firmer with them at times. There, there's a little more gray instead of black and white. There's a little more gray in the men's game. They kind of read different situations. Women are very, like, very easy to coach in a way that they handle direction perfectly. Almost, they do a great job of it. They listen intently in meetings. To the point where you're like, wow, this is there. You could hear a pin drop. Where guys, they're little. They, their attention span is not as not as long, let's say. But uh, the women's teams, no, they, they that I've coached, they take direction very well. They they try to do exactly what you need or want, black and white. It gets a little crazy where there's a lot of gray at certain points of our game, and it's learning how to teach those certain moments. I hope that makes sense what I'm saying, but it yeah. But, uh, it's uh, no, I, I find the women's game very appreciative. There's no agents. It's yeah. awesome. There's there is pro level, but it's not as you know advanced as the men's side. So I, I don't. Those are parts of the men's game I do not miss, to be quite honest with you. And I just think it's really uh, it's a different. You're recruiting someone that's 17, 16, 17, 18 years old. In the men's side, we were recruiting 19, 20 year olds. A little different dynamic. Um, families are more involved in the women's side with the recruiting piece. I like getting to know parents. I have no issue talking to parents and getting to know them too. So it, it's really, uh, they're important, I think, to the whole package. Um, 
so that part I really enjoy. So for me, it's, I wouldn't want to go back to the men's game, to be quite honest with you. I kind of like where we're at and what we're doing and, and where it's going. And the game's growing like every day. It's just keep, it's staying on a pace where it's growing. And, uh, you know, it, it, I'm just excited for the future in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I I feel like there's going to be definitely agents though in women's hockey at some point just because of how professional hockey has been growing over the past few years. I feel like it's gotten a lot bigger since I started watching it. Yeah, no, there's yeah, it's going to happen, and, and good. That, that's mm-hmm. really, that's a good thing, and I think the one the one in regards to pro hockey, I think the one thing you really need to see hopefully is one league. I think yeah, PHF, PWPHA. I think what, at some point. At some point, um, when the players decide that a pro league is more important than the Olympics, is when you'll see a real jump in progress. Yeah, like you want the top college hockey players and players in Europe to go to play in one league because it just makes yeah. the competition that much better. Like yeah. with the example with Natalie, when she left UConn, she had many options outside of the PHF if she wanted to go to. And I feel like if there was just one option for her or for players like her, it would make the game a lot better. No, and the hockey's good. Natalie's had a great season, too. And I think uh, it's funny. Like, uh, so Minnesota and Toronto will play each other this week. There's three UConn alums in that game. I'm kind of yeah. for that. Um, but, yeah, it, it – um, yeah, I just – I think I'd like to see one league. I think a lot of people – I think I think we'd all want to get to the same place. It's just how – you know, I think we all have different – there's people that have different ideas how that's going to happen. So, yeah. Uh, really what, what will start the – progress better progress towards that will be when the olympics takes us back seat to the pro league and it doesn't right now everyone looks yeah. at the olympics everyone looks at the olympics at the, as the top and the pro league second and that that needs to change if you want a real pro league now uh how did you get into women's uh college hockey and obviously you got your start at ohio state so i'm curious how that sort of yeah. ended up well, happening it for you. technically wasn't ohio state it was niagara university so okay. I played in Niagara. I went back. I left Lowell and went to Niagara because I'm, I'm, that's my hometown area. So my wife and I were going to start a family, and uh, this was just a great opportunity. So I went back to Niagara and coached two years of women's hockey. They, that you wouldn't have picked up that because they cut. They end up cutting the program after two years. Mm-hmm. That's how I ended up at Ohio State, and then and then uh, then UConn after one year at Ohio State. Really liked Ohio State. I was with Casey's brother Nate. He was the head coach there. And basically, um, this job at UConn came up, and my wife's from Connecticut, so I, I applied and looked at it, wasn't sure about it, and then just came to campus and fell in love with it. Yeah, and like I, this is sort of transition to my next question, but you became the head coach of UConn Women's Hockey in 2013. Um, how excited were you, I guess, to get the opportunity to become the head coach of a women's hockey program, but just a hockey program in general? And uh, I guess uh, what's it been like for the past, uh, I guess, 10 years now? Oh, it's been an incredible journey. Um, you know, we were a three-win team when we showed up. So our first year we had nine wins, and people in the athletic department were celebrating that. I wasn't really celebrating that, but they, they were celebrating that. They were happy with that. And uh, there were a lot of great kids on that those teams. And I think of Elaine Chuley was here, our captain, uh, Sarah McDonnell, um, Emily Snodgrass, Natalie's sister was here. Like there were – I look back through some of those teams, just great people. You know, and it was just, it was, it was a progression, you know, to just get better and better and better. And I think, um, you know, we're just, we're, we're at a spot where I think teams know it's going to be a tough game when they play us. We're, we're, 
team that plays together. And I think that's, that's really important. And ultimately, look, we represent, I think we represent the university well, and that's what we want. What's been the best memory um, out of all the coaching memories you have with UConn so far? I know it's hard to pick one, but is there any one that sticks out? I, I just, I, there's, well, hopefully there's more coming. That'll be exciting. I look, I, I think back in 2018, our first recruiting class was seniors, and we had started really slow. Like we had a we had a good team. Like Boston College was the best team in that league. We had tied them twice, and uh, we they ended up in first place. We had tied them twice. We had tough games, but we just we were finding ways to just not get it done in the first half. We were in last place in the league, um, January 17th. And but the the team just stuck together. There was no revolt. There was no finger pointing. They just had a lot of character behind what they were doing. All of a sudden, we just things turned, and we ended up going to the championship game. We lost to Northeastern that year, but we were a seven seed in the tournament. We ended up in the championship game. So we had to beat Providence in second place, and then BC in first place. It just I, I don't know. It just proved I think to me that as long as you have good people, you're never really out of it. And that was, that was, I think the memory of just that season and where we were and how we ended up, it just, it just, uh, it confirmed a lot of things I think that were important. So with our team and, and what we want to be. So I was proud of, probably proudest of that. There's a couple other highlights I'm thinking of too, but just that one in general just was a great, it was a great run and it's really set us up to be quite good those last few years after that. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, and that's one thing I really admire about your team is the team culture that you guys have because I think your players are truly great people off the ice. And one thing that Coach Handerhand said in an interview, which I thought was interesting, was when he's recruiting players, he thinks, is this a person he wants to see in the rink every day? Uh, so how do you build a good team culture? And is there anything the coaching staff tries to do to build that team chemistry throughout the season? Well, I think it just starts with recruiting, finding the right people that fit. Um Having our team maybe be a part of the process. Um, and I guess just we've made enough mistakes over the years. You made 20 years of coaching. I've made enough mistakes with certain personalities that I, I feel like I, I have an antenna. I, I saw a quote where Gino said this one time. He has an antenna for what maybe a bad teammate looks like. Yeah. Kind of. I guess I've learned a hard way enough times that maybe I can pick up on that a little bit too. Um but at, you know, at the same time, there has to be a skill level and a talent level. But to, man, they, like if they're if they're not a great teammate, man, it just it's just it never gets done. It never gets done the right way. It just doesn't. Um, the culture piece, I think, it makes up. What happens is there's a lot of good players that want to help the team, and there's an innocence to them wanting to help the program and do well for themselves and the program. I think when you have enough of those players, it's just. People let their guard down, they're vulnerable, and they, they want to be part of the team. Yeah, I was listening to an interview with Merrimack's head coach, and he was saying, like, t- there's talented players all over the country, especially with the Internet. Like, you can find that. It's really finding the people piece of it is really the most challenging part of just the whole recruiting process. Yep. Are they going to fit? You know, we know. I, I, I think we're at the point where interacting like this with a potential recruit or even just getting them on campus and walking around, we know within probably an hour or two whether they're going to be a good fit for our team. Yeah. You just feel it. Yeah. What's the recruiting process like for women's hockey, especially as a head coach, and what do you look for, I guess, when recruiting players? Um, because 
for at least for men's hockey, I sort of have an idea of who the top recruits are with the junior leagues, but for women's hockey, there really isn't like a junior league. So I'm curious how you like find these players and like how you sort of evaluate talent. Well, there's club level players. Um, you know, Ontario has a great league. It's a quote junior league or whatever they call it, U22, whatever they call it. Minnesota, you know, there's, we know where to go to see the players. I think what we're dealing with is we're dealing with one age group. You know, it's, it's true freshmen coming out. So, like, this year, it's the 07 birth year. We're looking at all 07s for the most part. Maybe some 06s born, and they're all looking at that class, and we're all trying to recruit players from that group. And you're really looking at anywhere from, well, you're looking at probably 25 people that, you know, either show interest in you, and you go from there, and you try to get you try to get a class of five or six out of that group. Yeah. And that's really what happens. You know, but you, you have a pretty good lock on who those best players are, and you're trying to get the best ones you can while getting to know them, obviously. Yeah, for sure. And I, I knew there, were, there was a recruiting rule change that happened. Uh, just talk a little bit about that, because apparently you could you have to now recruit players when they're 16 years old. You can't do yeah. it when like they're t- like 12 or 13, which was well, going on. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it, um, now we we talked them. June 15th is a big day coming out of sophomore year grade 10 and that june 15th we talked to players that are going to be in grade 11 grade 12 junior senior year in high school but we can't talk to them before that yeah that's that's probably good because there there were times i was at ohio state we were recruiting an eighth grader going into ninth grade and that no i was a good player and everything but it was just really it was too young and i think the parents knew it too and i think they really like where it's at now um some people would have different opinions i think we're at the best place we can be and there's always going to be a, a rush on that first time we can, we can contact someone and, and right now it's june 15th they can't even visit our campus till august 1st yeah so um you know it's gives you six weeks to get to know them and they go from there well i do want to ask you about some of your current players on the team because i'm just curious about your thoughts on their performances past season and the first one is jada habish I feel like she's one of the most underrated players in hockey East okay. in the last few years. And yeah. what makes her such an elite goal scorer? And how do you think she did this year on one of the top lines uh, with different players? Well, she's just hungry to put the puck in the net. She's always had that knack. She wants the puck on her stick in all situations. Her speed is what really gives her a lot of opportunities. Um, yeah, she's been a pleasant surprise. She was someone we – she came out to our camp years ago. We had a camp here on campus, and she just blew us away with her speed and the type of person she was, and we were just really impressed. So super happy to have her, and I think her next year will be her best year, and she's got to she's got to be ready to go from the start. Now, Corinne Tormala was your captain this this year. Uh, how does your team, first of all, choose team captains, and what were your thoughts on Corinne's uh, leadership from this past year? Uh, our team votes on captains, so they voted Corinne captain, and, and she did a great job this year. It was stressful for her at times, um, but, uh, you know, I think she handled it well because she's, if, if you know her, she's a bit of a perfectionist. She'd say that, I'm sure, and uh, she has high standards for herself, and and uh, they're high enough that it's it's hard to attain them sometimes, so she's really hard on herself sometimes, but she's she's done a great job. If you asked our team, I think they'd say the same thing, and, and uh we have a lot of leaders on our team. You know, she's the one who has the C on her shirt, but there's a lot of good players on our team that help out in a lot of ways. 
Now, Brooke Campbell was a freshman that really stood out to me. Uh, I think one one underrated part of her game is sort of just the two-way part, how she's good offensively and defensively. Uh, firstly, where did you find Brooke in the recruiting process? Because I, she was a player I'd never really heard of up until last year. And why do you think she adjusted to college hockey so well this past year as well? Well, she was always pretty good. She came out of uh, Southwest Wildcats, which is the same place where, um, you know, Savannah Buzai came from. Like, and, and we know the head coach there, and we have a good connection with her. And we just really liked watching Brooke play. She was great. And, uh, you know, she plays exactly what you said, a good 200-foot game. And, uh, you know, I think the more players we have like that, we have to be successful. So she, um, yeah, we found her in Ontario. We have a lot of players from Ontario, we have a lot of connections there, a network. And uh, she's no different from that. So, But she really, she had a choice of a few schools. She really liked us, and we're happy to have her. And then the last two players I want to talk about are Catherine Stockdale and Riley Grimley, two players I feel like really stepped up their game uh, this year and improved a lot. Talk about the improvements they made to their games and the impact that they had on the team. Well, number one, they, they keep themselves in great shape. They're really conditioned to do well. Um, and I think just with more experience this year and playing a bigger role, they really just adapted and got better and better and better and Good energy in the room, too, like funny, funny people that just really bring a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to I'm, – I'm excited to see them. You know, Kat Stocky will be – Stocky got injured. That derailed her a little bit, but she was having a great year. I would say Stocky's going to have her best year next year as a senior, and Riley will be a junior. And, you know, it's uh fun fact about Riley's her parents both went to UConn. Both oh, that's cool. Yeah, so mom was a soccer player, dad was a hockey player. So it's just an interesting – they're like uh, – you think they're a Yukon family and then you look at them and they're like holy this is yeah else. so but yeah it uh you know look we're like a lot of players on our team we're just really happy to have them so for all the young people that might be listening to this podcast what advice uh, would you give to them on what it takes to make it to college hockey it's just a lot of hard work you got to have fun playing the game um you know and, and just do a, a really good job of when you're getting a little bit older if you're getting attention just make sure you're if you are indeed interested make sure you're you know obviously interacting in an appropriate way with coaches and and just you got to focus on getting better it's that simple you know just because you move to certain elite teams and different stuff it, you're still on you to do a lot of work and get better and go from there now we talked about the growth of women's hockey on the pro side but what should be done to help grow women's hockey on the college level in your opinion i guess for my opinion is i kind of want i want some more creativity i think it'll be cool to see like more like out of conference games but also maybe have the season start in october and end in april and uh try different frozen four locations that's sort of my thing on it i'm curious what you have to say about that what that's been discussed in the past i think just with the basketball frozen fours i think the the see the hockey season we try to avoid that because the coverage yeah. kind of get better coverage so in an attempt to grow the game we kind of build our schedule that way so there there are there is some thought behind that um you know i think just ultimately ultimately if you look at what's happened in the last 20 years there has been growth some fun thing that came in uh, the women's bean pot which has three teams in our league in harvard uh, the, it's going to be played at the TD Garden this year. Oh, cool! Not like that, there's growth happening. It's I think it's just it's going to take time. I think we all want to get it to a certain place. If you look at where things were 20 years ago compared to now, I think it has gone this way. It's just going to look. Where are we going to be 20 years from now? I think it'll be way better, and there will be growth. It just this takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Is that why the season starts in September because of the Frozen Four? Yeah. 
Okay. I was just curious about that. Yeah, I always, no, I've always been interested of why it starts well, so early. You work your way backwards. You, you start, where should the championship be? What's the best point? All right, it should be here. Okay. You move it back and you just move the season back. That's what you do. Yeah. I do find it odd that the women's Frozen Four is like three weeks um, at, before the men's one. It just It's always weird how that works well, out. The men avoid it because when they get to the, after this weekend, they get to the Frozen Four, they wait another week because of the final four. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to go head-to-head with the basketball. That makes sense. That, so that makes sense. That pushes it another week, or it would be within two weeks, which, you know, makes sense. So. Now, one more question uh, yeah. I want to ask you is, what's your favorite flavor at the dairy bar? Going to uh, chocolate chip cookie dough, my friend. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm more of a uh, milkshake guy. That's what you guys call them in Connecticut. We call them fraps in Massachusetts. So I know what a frap is. Yeah. <laughs> So. No, I don't, not. I'm not a milkshake guy ever. You know? Oh, really? I've always I I like it because you can just uh, you can just throw it out. You know, it doesn't like get all over your hands and all that stuff. It frees my brain. Mm-hmm. No, I I get that. I get that. It's yeah. not for everyone, but I, I, that's always my favorite. But uh, do you have any shout outs you want to give uh, to any of your uh, family members, friends uh, before we end this uh, meeting? Um, I just, guess I just want to thank my wife for allowing me to do the job that I love and being an awesome supportive uh, partner in life. And uh, yeah, she she rocks and she just got a job at UConn and she's going to be the director of exercise science. That's awesome. Congratulations to her. Yep. So we're pumped about we're we're becoming that UConn family we're talking about here. Exactly. That's good, though. That's good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Coach Mack, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time, and uh, stay safe and have a good off season, and hopefully can find some good future Huskies um, in the 2025 season or whatever it is. But uh, thank you so much for your time. It means a lot, and I had a pleasure getting the chance to talk with you, and obviously I'll be rooting for you guys uh, next season and beyond. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate no it. No problem.